Hello and welcome to Reading for Attention, the brand new weekly podcast where me, Paul and me busy mate Sarah discuss the latest book releases whilst having a drink and a chinwag. This is the podcast for you if you like reading, but you would never choose it over watching six back-to-back hours of Married at First Sight. We also hope that by listening to this podcast, you might be able to get by in those conversations about books in the office or at parties without actually having to read the book yourself. Stunning. So let's get to reading for attention. How are you doing, Sarah? Yeah, I'm not bad. That was really that was really sexy. Oh God, thank you. I feel a bit sick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, do you want to explain why we've called this podcast "Reading for Attention"? I'll give it a go. So, the idea about of reading for attention is that we have grown up believing that we enjoy reading books. The truth of the matter is that actually we read books because we want other people to think that we read books. Yeah, really sexy intellectual book reading hipsters is the idea I asked one of my friends what she thought reading for attention was and she said it's academic peacocking which I thought was pretty pretty bob so as an example I was on a train the other week and I had finished one book um, and what I actually wanted to do was to just listen to pop music and look out the window but there were quite a lot of other young people on the train and I wanted to establish intellectual dominance so I got another book out of my bag and started that did you take any of it in god no 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 (laughs) Uh, I don't even I couldn't even tell you the name of the book I was just more concerned that everyone else around me knew that I was reading yeah absolutely I asked my friend at work about this telling her about this podcast and she said yes I am the target audience for this because when I used to go on holiday with my parents they would give us a euro every time I finished a book and now she says that whenever she finishes a book, she's like, where's my euro? Yeah, and that is, thanks. Exactly. And I feel like you just need praise uh, all the time for reading. And I asked my other friend and he said, I read so that people on the tube think that I read. Yeah, exactly. And, That's it. And you want people to lean over and say, oh, my God, do you read? Yeah. Wow. And you're, you're like, of course, don't you? Here is your Pride of Britain Award. You have yeah. just read a book. Yeah, exactly. And th- the thing is. I, I do it pretty constantly not I don't read every day but I've all mm. I've always got a book on the go and mm. I'd much rather watch 14 hours of housewives and I do that too uh, yeah. but I have to gear myself up to read a book and then I'll read for half an hour and feel really smug about it and it's not because I've taken in some brilliant intellectual understanding from the book or anything it's just the very fact that I have read a book yeah and everyone else needs to know about it what I want to know is you read on a Kindle, don't you, predominantly? Yeah. How, that doesn't work for me because I need people to see that I'm reading like a, a renowned piece of literary fiction, maybe part of the canon, maybe a classic, maybe something by an international author, a translation. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sexy. Well, yeah, but it works both ways, doesn't it? Because when I'm reading smut that I don't want yes. people to know I'm reading, uh, they can't see. But yeah, it's <laughs> swings and roundabouts and... Mm. I learned from the book that we're going to discuss that that is swings and roundabouts. I always thought it was swings in roundabouts. So I never really <laughs> understood that phrase. I'm not, I'd, I've always known it was swings and roundabouts, but I still don't understand what it's it means. It's because you just go round and round, don't you? And swings just swing. So 
you're not getting anywhere. Is that the idea? But I mean, but I suppose. Actually, oh yeah, but that's not what it means. How, what context would you use that in? Um, so I would say I think it's like everything always balances out. So oh, I, I, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> that's what I would. That's the context I would use it in. Just a is to say, well, he's just got that promotion. Oh, but it swings and roundabouts, so... So you'll get one soon? Maybe. Maybe it's I'll just something that I use throw... that phrase. I was going to say, I use it quite confidently. Yeah, yeah, Quite yeah. often for someone that has no idea what it means. Absolutely, yeah. Um, right, how this podcast is going to work is that we will choose a book on alternate weeks. So I'll choose the first one, Sarah chooses the second one. The first book we're going to discuss is Sally Rooney's third novel, beautiful world where are you which I've just finished about 20 minutes ago so what, what a better place to start really we're, we're looking at recent-ish books I think is the idea so this one's just come out last month and Sally Rooney is well she's been described as the first great millennial author uh, the Guardian's obsessed with her she was born in 1991 which is extremely offensive because that's the year that I was born and It's a third novel. First one was Conversations with Friends and then Normal People. And Normal People was was the book that really catapulted her to this stardom, this millennial stardom. Although I read somewhere that we shouldn't be just focused on the fact that she's millennial, but I can't help it as a millennial myself. Yeah, she's from Ireland. And this book is probably the most hotly anticipated book of the year. Is that fair? Yeah, I'd say so. Definitely. From a personal perspective, anyway. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) this book follows the lives of four characters we've got Eileen and Alice who I think are friends from uni and every other chapter is an email from Alice to Eileen and then Eileen to Alice Uh, and then at some point in the book they meet up and they're both have love interests so Alice meets someone online called Felix and Eileen knows someone called Simon from her childhood who seems to be a bit of an old flame in classic Sally Rooney style it's not very plot heavy. It's more about feelings and people and the millennial world and navigating relationships, which is kind of <laughs> shit that I love, to be fair. Mm-hmm. That's a little summary. So first of all, how did how were you introduced to Sally Roondog? Big Sally Roondog. I first saw the cover of Normal People in a Waterstones. I think it was the Waterstones in Preston. And I went in and it was just everywhere that red couple in the sardine can and I thought it looked so boring like I was furious that it was plastered all around this shop because I was like what is this shit everyone's buying and it looks crap and then I think I was recommended it or somebody had it and lent it to me and I read it in a day which is a big reading for attention thing that I do as well even if I've got other stuff to do I'll finish a book in a day just so I can say I've read this book in a day, yeah. um, but I was I was completely hooked. So it was normal people, Waterstones in Preston, and it was met with a little bit of aversion from me at first. But then I quickly became an unapologetic Sally Rune Dogs fan. Yeah, same for me. Really, I saw it in a bookshop. It was everywhere. Obviously, the marketing budget was on point, um, mm. and I thought, "Ooh, what's this?" And read it and thought it was brilliant. I actually said, this is my favourite book ever. I remember speaking to you about it. Yeah. Everyone I could speak to about it, I did. But I thought that I'd discovered it. I didn't realise that it had already be, it was already the most popular book of all time. Oh. So that was a bit disappointing. Yeah. 
but yeah, I'd, I absolutely loved it and then started speaking to people about it. And some people just hate, hate, I don't know. Some people have massive problems with her, yes. um, which I take personal offense to. Yeah, so I was really excited about this third book coming out. Yeah, me too. So, so excited, in fact, that I did my big shop in Sainsbury's so that I could get it on its publication day as opposed to Aldi, which is where I usually do my big shop. I think it's I think it's quite telling of the book that um, of the content that the book was available in Sainsbury's and not Aldi. She knows her audience. Oh, yeah. Before we start talking about the actual book, there's another part to this podcast. There is indeed. And I wanted to interrogate you quite heavily on it. Because each week, the person that has chosen the book that we're going to read also chooses a drink to have alongside it, an alcoholic beverage. And you have chosen this week, Paul. Do you just want to tell me what you've chosen? Yeah. So the the drink is going to, is what I think represents the book. That's going to be what the drink theme is. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think of the most hipster drink I could think of. Whiskey's quite hipster, but I really hate whiskey. I know you like it, but I, I couldn't even bear to drink it. So I thought like okay. a, hot, a hot toddy would have been a good choice. But then I had this genius idea, and I don't know why nobody's ever thought of this before, for what I'm calling a spiked tea. <laughs> Basically, it's a, a normal brew. I've gone for Yorkshire tea. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something hipster always toes the line between super super uncool and really really overly cool and I think tea exactly. is a good example of that a bit like mm. smoking smoking it, is yeah. so cool uh, but it's also <laughs> obviously a disaster and, and Billie Eilish recently said that vaping was the the uncoolest thing in the world and I was devastated because now obviously she that's it that's it you're just gonna have to go back to smoking yeah yeah I know I think smoking will come back around uh, yeah. so yeah tea is one of those things but then I thought if I just put a plop of vodka in it and a plop of Kahlua. It's almost like a, a black Russian, but with tea. Um, I've used oat milk. Gorgeous. Although I was thinking about this as well. The, the amount of plant-based milk that is available now is getting a bit uncool. It's, so I it's wonder mainstream. if it's going to go back to even whole milk or like Jersey milk, you know, that yeah, really yeah, yeah. thick one. Like the hips with the gold like, cap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, I've gone for oat milk. So it's a spiked tea with oat milk, uh, Kahlua vodka. And I thought if maybe I, I had some oregano in the fridge, oh. which I haven't put in it, but it's I've never really seen fresh oregano. But it's like a really nice looking herby thing, which I thought would have looked fantastic. Um, yeah, maybe but... not the taste. And then I thought God, maybe no. you could crisp some autumn leaves into it. What's you know? an autumn leaf? Like a conker leaf. No, like a like a autumn coloured leaf when it's right. going to the ground. Okay. I just think there's something quite hipster about autumn in general. And it is. Oh, getting, God. It is autumn now. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've gone for. I told you about this before. So what have you decided on? So I ummed and odd about this for a long time, Paul, because I think the reason why you said, why has nobody thought of doing this before? I think people have probably thought about it and then thought, why would I subject myself to a spiked tea it feels so unnecessary it feels like what it feels like a prison drink yeah but that's sexy isn't it oh god <laughs> sorry we'll go in there <laughs> um and so I had to deviate slightly oh I'm sorry and also because the only tea that I've got at the minute is decaf and I just thought 
that's not hipster at all is it really probably not I don't think that's anywhere near cool no do you know what maybe it is because a lot of my friends are very hipster and a lot of them drink a lot of decaf and 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 I'm about to prove myself wrong or right depending on where I sit on the, the hipster spectrum but I've made myself a decaf coffee with nothing with in a, it. oh god 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 with oat milk a little okay. teaspoon of honey and three shots of whiskey Wow. So you've, I've you've had two it. sips and I'm feeling quite loose. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm slightly offended that we discussed yeah. this part of the podcast and it's going to be a weekly theme and you've already <laughs> just screwed it over. So we'll we'll try and get back on track next week with your drink. I will follow yeah. the rules as I always do. I was going to um, say, yeah. you're, you'll make it perfectly and I'll come again with some bastardization of what I've decided on. Yeah, exactly. Um, but just to report, this this tea is su- is surprisingly delicious. Well, I think that's the Kahlua. You can add Kahlua yeah, to yeah. fucking anything and it's just gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, it's I sweet. I would bathe in Kahlua. It's warm and cosy. It's raining mm. outside. I'm feeling very hipster. Very, very autumnal. And I'll, I'll give you this as well. As a Lancashire lass, anything east of me, I it's kind of illegal. But... I do, I do agree that Yorkshire tea is the ultimate tea. I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, uh, I could tell. Yeah, Yorkshire tea, can't go wrong. Yeah. Okay, should we talk about this bloody book? Mm. <laughs> have you read it, first of all? I have read it. I read it on publication day. I mean, it took me longer than a day this one, but that week. So I read it at the start of September. And what do you think it is that's made Sally Rooney captured? What, what, how has she captured the hearts of millennial readers and attention seekers like us? <laughs> I think I've been really going back and forth on this because I think she's done something different with this book than in the previous two books. Um, but I think the reason why she sort of skyrocketed to success is because of this sort of millennial voice where we all know that we should be focusing on the bigger issues that are external to us. But actually, what we're all truly bothered about is whether or not someone fancies us. And that is like normal people was just 300 pages of does he fancy me? I don't know. And there's also this sort of, there is the self-consciousness to it. It's not just an unapologetic love story. It's like, I probably should be thinking about bigger things, but ultimately all I care about is whether or not Carl fancies me. And so it's, it is that probably quite clean narrative that she uses where there's no, I mean, apart from the lack of communication between the characters, there's no sort of beating around the bush. We get straight to the point. We've not got time to waste. This person and this person are interested in each other, might not be interested in each other. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. It's it's a lot about, does this person want to have sex with me? Mm. Quite. There's a lot of sex in it, which, you know, I'm all for. But sometimes it's sometimes it's quite erotic and sexy. But other times you feel... This is what I felt sometimes that the the female characters didn't necessarily want to be having sex sometimes mm-hmm. not, not yeah. in a not in a predatory way or anything but just to, I don't know it's like it's a they'll, they'll seem to not really know what they think about the person and then suddenly they've just had sex and yeah it doesn't seem to make them feel better all the time I do strange. think that that's I think that's maybe more typical than you would expect I do mm. think that sex yeah. is still quite a transactional uh thing I mean ideally as a millennial and as a forward-thinking feminist do you know what I mean sex should be about pleasure and and unfortunately sometimes procreation <laughs> but yeah. it's still 
it is still something that you kind of give to somebody as a like a oh, fine I'm not sure if I've made my mind up about you yet so to keep you interested whilst I decide I'll chuck this into the mix I better bloody well have sex with you yeah in, in that way is I'm not comparing sex to reading <laughs> but it is one of these things that you feel like you must be doing at all times whether you're single God, yeah. whether you're in a relationship and I was reading an interview with a celebrity where they said our oh, lockdown was the longest that I hadn't had sex and it was five weeks I was like oh, Jesus Christ so yeah it's but it's performative and it's it is it's very much performative and and Sally Rooney does have a very realistic I think approach to it I mean obviously it's not like there are some elements of it that aren't realistic at all because I've found especially in um, Beautiful World um, where there was a lot more sex I think than in the previous two the characters seem to just head straight for penetration. There's very little uh, foreplay mm. or or speech, really. They don't, it's like, they are they constantly in the mood or are they just never in the mood and do it anyway? So uh, that aspect of it, I find a little bit hard to believe. But the actual attitude towards it, I think is probably quite realistic. And what about the relationship between Alice and Eileen? So Eileen is a copy editor something like that like a small time yeah. publishing job and Alice is a really successful author <laughs> what do, where she got that Alice, idea from <laughs> Alice is blonde Sally Rooney yeah I mean obviously she has the psychiatric break which yeah. we don't know if Sally Rooney's had but I'm just gonna now I'm just gonna suppose that she did I, well I think it's definitely Alice is discovering what her new position in the world is as a famous writer with money Mm-hmm. which I'm guessing Sal Saruni's doing as well I think it's it's impossible not to link these characters to Sally Rooney I, you're probably not supposed to do that but I'm gonna anyway I kind of think of them as two different versions of her the unsuccessful writer and the successful writer and essentially at at the core they're the same person but yes. different things have happened to them and I think what's interesting is because everyone talks about Sally Rooney's dialogue and I think it is so brilliant and, and mm. so realistic but then we get these interspersed emails where it's not dialogue it's written and the way that I see it is they're kind of competing with each other to see who can say the most intellectual thing or have the the most interesting view on the world and they've referenced loads of highfalutin stuff that I've never read or seen Mm -hmm. or even heard of it's like they're in competition with each other it's like they're trying to prove something to the other but they don't really know Mm -hmm. what so you and Eileen doesn't visit Alice and Alice doesn't tell Eileen when she's in Dublin it's not it doesn't seem like a very warm friendship uh, through the emails and they did get a bit uh, bitey I think towards maybe the middle or like the first part of the last third they did seem to get a bit bitey with each other which was Mm -hmm. interesting but also I was like hang on how are you how are you even arguing like what are you actually arguing about I want to ask you a quick question did you read in full the emails and I'm not saying like like did you just start halfway through but did you really like try and let those thoughts those big social political um thoughts sort of marinate or did you just sort of skim them uh, I, I mean I read them I didn't <laughs> sit and think too much about them it, it was interesting but I, I saw it more as a, a narrative technique for the characters rather than Sally, Sally Rooney pontificating on these things necessarily I don't know I don't know actually because they have differing views on some of them don't they and who, which one's the communist social communist is that the right word socialist <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eileen. Eileen Eileen yeah 
yeah um and she gives Alice the whole working in, class spiel yeah there's an interesting bit about Felix says I think it's Felix says to no it's previous to them getting together oh is it <laughs> all right it's at the very beginning when she's she's going out for a mate's birthday or something and oh it's Eileen yeah 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 so she goes to this party and tries to argue that she's working class because she pays rent and she has a job and the guy's like you do not know what working class is you are absolutely not working class oh my god you know what I love to imagine there that Sally Rooney has in her university days maybe like she's moved out of her incredibly like rich family home she's moved to trinity um, campus and then she's got pissed on a night out in freshers and she's been like well i'm working class because i've got a job and i pay rent and whatever and then it's been one of those things she's woken up the next morning and thought fuck my life definitely it it, it gives those vibes because eileen's pretty dissatisfied with her life at this point and it seems mm. like she it's a bit of self-sabotage she goes to, she just sort of appears at this party says all of these uh, <laughs> angry things and then leaves drinks a whiskey drinks a <laughs> whiskey so. she has a spiked tea and fucks off um, <laughs> yeah but it's i mean there are really interesting things i think i did feel that it was a lot of that it was a lot of like let's briefly talk about this really huge concept and then move on and without any kind of resolution or I mean obviously the ideas are so big that you couldn't form a resolution Mm. but it's like the characters themselves didn't even have actual opinions it was just like a a little weekly bulletin where they felt like they needed to give an opinion but it was Mm. half formed which I do think I thought was quite reflective of how maybe Sally Rooney's trying to grapple with this like this fame that she's got which I think she's quite unhappy about because I mean traditionally you aren't supposed to associate the author with the text I think as heavily as people do with Sally Rooney and her books and I think that's probably why she is a millennial writer because we're obsessed with knowing everything about everyone there's no privacy we want everything out in the public and the way that she's got to that fame is writing about these sort of inconsequential topics like who's shagging who and does this boy fancy me? Doesn't he fancy me? Kind of thing. And so now she's trying to, she's just throwing it out there that she does have these bigger sort of views on life. And it isn't just about who's shagging who. But then what I really like is that none of these emails have a sort of resolution. I know what you mean. I mean, it's very, it's clear that she's hyper intelligent and just, she's probably oh, God, a genius. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I'm she probably so is jealous of her. I'm so me jealous. Too. Yeah. I mean, the, the emails made me sad because I'd start thinking about me and you right like, how we communicate yeah I was like I can't imagine sending a really long snarky email to Sarah and I wouldn't <laughs> want one back kind of thing and um, we usually t- this is the thing like the least millennial thing about the book in my opinion is that the way that you communicate with friends mm. <laughs> I don't know like send memes to each other and tag each other in things tag and... each other in stupid stuff and yeah and I feel like this it's so far removed from that but I don't know if it's again Alice and Eileen trying to prove themselves um but really like you say all they're interested in is it's the same people... as everyone else yeah whether people fancy them somebody I think in an interview with Sally Rooney somebody said you know you are a millennial writer you are considered one of the the first sort of great millennial writer but is this a real sort of considered move like putting these emails in because that's so not millennial like I don't I don't email anyone mainly because I'm unemployed but even if I had a job I'd rather call someone up do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and she said Sally really said actually I do communicate with my friends via email which I mean that's that's hipster in it she's one step away from pigeon carrier there and she's (laughs) like I thought that they were 
they were my least favorite part I thought that they were brilliant in sort of a we got a deeper dive into the character and not necessarily their like internal thoughts because it's still written and an email is obviously something that you plan out or you know you don't just it's not stream of consciousness but usually Sally Rooney's books and the chapters that intersperse the emails are from this really like withdrawn pulled out perspective and so it's the only opportunity that we get to ever find out how a character is actually feeling about something because I think it's like in one of the emails where I'm not going to say which character but one of the characters says that they love another character and up until that point I've been like hey well Mm. I, I was like you love him because that wasn't that hadn't been made apparent at all but then I guess the way that it had been written up until that point was with this sort of detachedness that means that you could just I don't know I don't know whether it's designed so that you can apply it to your own life and be like maybe I should be a bit more mysterious and enigmatic or whether she actually just didn't know herself Sally really just didn't know whether or not she was giving too much away I think that's it's true but then at the same time because the emails are obviously so considered and so performative Mm -hmm. it's I don't even know whether to trust those well exactly but that's the oh that's the sort of closest that we get that and obviously the dialogue the bit that perfectly sums up what you've just said is at some point in the book two characters are in bed together and it says something like and then they whispered something into the other one's ear but it doesn't tell you what like are you joking she she doesn't tell you anything and now you're gonna say whispered something into the ear it's like well just tell us what it is I've said this before about Sally Rooney and I'll say it again is that she's so clever with her writing it's like economical to the point of just basically not there we don't get much on these characters they never have this sort of well because it's not first person mainly but even from other characters perspectives we never really understand what they look like I mean we all know that they're white and skinny and beautiful (laughs) but we never really get any kind of character description apart from on the odd occasion when another character is just by chance describing one of the leads and they'll say oh they're incredibly intelligent and they're incredibly hilarious and we just have to believe it because there is nothing else in the entire book it's and there's nothing that indicates that. No, no no not one bit of banter in all nah. three of the books but they're all hilarious apparently apparently yeah. they are like top draw crack which we just <laughs> we have nothing we have nothing else to go off so we just have to believe it I noticed particularly in this book that she is very interested in like the minutiae. Is that how you say that word? So it's like the <laughs> the tiny, almost insignificant things that oh, you wouldn't minutia. think about. Right, the minute minutia. details. One that comes to mind is where one of the characters smashes a glass and, she, mm. and Sally Rooney describes how that glass is smashed. So it, she describes that the top landed first and smashed and then the bottom rolled off under the counter. And then it was like describing the different sizes of the shards of glass. And I mean, I don't, kind of like it but it's just interesting that she focuses so much on that stuff but Mm -hmm. we literally don't know if one of them fancies the other one this book was a real slow burn for me because all of the action seems to happen in the last third of the book and even then in maybe the last 70 pages or so and before that we've just got a lot of really beautiful but quite like pointless prose and these moments of intense description and I don't know if that's just kind of delay the plot to reflect the sort of mundanity of everyday life another thing that I thought when I was reading these these little moments of it, it like intense really close-up description is that she's experimenting with form which is nice because essentially all three books are the same yeah totally like the, the characters 
are the, if you laid them all on top of each other they just their anatomy would be identical and I think especially from maybe halfway onwards in this book she begins to explore a little bit more with her form and she uses these really like still quite clean but close like descriptors of the universe and like the way that people think or whatever there's this one really beautiful passage which I don't have but I was speaking to a friend about it the other day and she said it seems like she's written this book for like through the lens as opposed to through the character and then I began to think about it and I was like oh that's so true because we get these real close-up moments but it's almost as though we are separated a little bit like the she whispered in his ear that's it and then it also withdraws to the point where at times she describes the earth on its tilting axis yeah and it's like what are we zooming out now and there's a bit where Alice talks about one of her books being adapted into a film. And she says, well, it's not actually my film. It's just based on one of my books. And maybe that is Sally Rooney mm. saying, love normal people, the TV adaptation, adaptation, fancy poor mascots, everyone else does, but it's nothing to do with me. Um, didn't, did she wrote the script though, didn't she? Did she? I think she did. Oh, right, well, that's but true. No, that's but true. I think, no, but, <laughs> but I think that's a good point. I think she's maybe saying people are taking away my narrative. People are just, so like we're doing right now. We've just done a podcast about, we've decided that she's had a breakdown. Yes. We've decided, <laughs> we know none of this stuff, but because we're mm-hmm. millennials, we, we're mm-hmm. desperate to, and she's like, yeah, you're all going to take this narrative away from me anyway. So, oh God, yeah. she's just so cool. She, that is, it's so incredibly clever so in that sense, clever. isn't it? She's like, I know what you're going to do. So here you are. Here's some juicy information. Yeah. This is how I have sex with my husband. What do you think about that? <laughs> and I think, you know, you're right, because Conversations with Friends has been made into something now. I'm sure mm-hmm. this one will. I yeah, do love and it. so there are these, there, it's almost like, it is almost like a script. It's like directional. There are moments where she describes, yeah, the setting with such precise detail. Mm. Um, and that just feels like a bit of a power play. Like for when this is adapted into a film, let's see how closely you stick to my narrative then. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so funny. This morning I was on Instagram. I screenshotted this to you, the Connell chain. <laughs> because obviously that sort of became a character in, in, in and of itself in the TV series. Deservedly so. Uh, yeah, God, yeah. Um, and it was an advert on Instagram saying Connell chain back in stock. And it was gold <laughs> for one. I'm pretty sure it was silver. It 100% was silver. Um, but I just, I wonder, I mean, Sally, Sally probably doesn't use Instagram. But if she did, I wonder what she would think when she sees Connell Chain back in uh, back on sale. I bet she's just maybe a bit like Alice. No, I've done it again. <laughs> I just assume she's Alice. But just be like, how is this? How has this happened? Yeah. Like, how how, is this how is this chain? Yeah. <laughs> a character that people want to buy, regardless of the fact that it's not even the right color. I feel like Sally Rooney in the talking of like reading for attention of doing things for like intellectual kudos is top of the pecking order she wrote conversations with friends when she was 25 i think so it's five years ago she's 30 now and she's looking at us all absolutely wetting ourselves creaming our knickers over these books and she's thinking get with the fucking program that i wrote them five years ago like it's a bit embarrassing for you i think i remember reading that I think she started a master's and then ended up not having to complete it because <laughs> she was going to be so brilliant. And I mean, so, that's, yeah. so I'm guessing she was writing conversations with friends when she was probably 21, 22. Well, she was, yeah, because she was in, um, so I've looked into how she got that contract because it was massive. Mm-hmm. Especially, um, 
yeah I think the advance for normal people was huge and I think even for conversations with friends oh no it was a seven it was a seven bid or a seven bid auction or as in there were seven publishing companies that were bidding desperate for it um yeah because she she was on the debate team Mm -hmm. at uh trinity and she'd written some kind of I don't know blog entry or article for it and then someone had got in touch with her and said do you have anything else and she was like oh yeah I've just got a fully completed manuscript in my top yeah. drawer let me just put that to auction and now yeah it's like we're all scrapping over the bits essentially and she is top of the intellectual peacocking pecking chain pecking order pecking chain connell chain good for salsa I'm happy <laughs> Honestly, for her. good for I am I am She's 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 great. I'm gonna read everything she ever writes. Out of the three, where would you put this one? Probably third, to be honest. But yeah, normal people just is my favorite. Oh, it's devastating. Normal people, isn't it? It's yeah, just... and I like I like conversations with friends because I like when she tries to, or she does get with that like older man. Mm. <laughs> I just thought that's really sexy. <laughs> and I can't wait to see she does she does itch that scratch a little bit doesn't she oh like, yeah 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 I just want to read a tiny bit of smut and she's like okay yeah but I did think this was brilliant but I was because I knew we were going to be talking about it I think I've read it in a different way yeah if that doesn't sound too wanky but no <laughs> I did I really really enjoyed it it's it's one of my favorite books of the year I'd say what about you I don't think it's one of my favorite books of the year I don't know I have to do a recap at the end of the year of all the ones that I've read without actually taking in because I've just been yeah. on a train surrounded by strangers. Well, um, the one the one thing that I do have as a tiny bit of like a critique is is that she builds these really very cleverly um, built intricate female characters. Like our female characters are always really intelligent and they're always like enigmatic and quite like quick witted and all of the stuff that I've said that we're just made to believe, even though there's not much evidence of it. But in this one, it, I was just a bit annoyed that they were the ones that had the big fit at the end. Ooh, spoiler. I can't even talk about it because I'm spoiling it. But essentially there is it reaches ahead and the two male characters are these like calming yeah intelligent the intelligent adults in the room and I was like hang on a second haven't we just this whole time haven't we been building this sort of narrative where these characters are really like in tune with not just everything that's going on at a more like universal level but with themselves so that did irk me a little bit I know what you mean it, it, there's a bit of savior tropes going on oh but, yeah yeah and I think um Felix is the one character who seems to be really comfortable with himself and doesn't mm. he doesn't read, which I think is almost more attention seeking than reading because it like just Felix. made him extra sexy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, say a bit of saviour things going on, but I can live with it. It's not gonna deter me from buying any more of her books on publication day ever again. So No. We're well done, right Sally. into it. Can't wait well to read done. another book about a skinny white Irish woman who yep. may or may not fancy a fit man who may yeah. or may not be Can't wearing a chain <laughs> yeah, um, and have uh. really strange sex. So the next part of the podcast is basically a chat because Sarah and I have been friends for about seven years mm-hmm. and we lived in London together. Mm-hmm. We had a beautiful friendship and then Sarah decides... You know, selfish move to up sticks and move abroad <laughs> Scotland <laughs> which I'm still not over can you name name one amazing interesting cool person who doesn't live in London like Naomi Campbell London. me me I don't 
the only one is potentially Lisa Scottley, who I believe lives in Dubai. But other than that, <laughs> everyone lives in London. So what are you playing at? I'm the start of the revolution, the move to Scotland way. The, the only ch- chance you've got is if Sally Rooney moves, moves to here Edinburgh. as well. What are you saying? That I'm not. I'm well, not going to do this. Scott Lee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I looked at Edinburgh and I thought, do you know what that needs? That city, it needs a hipster. I know why you moved to Edinburgh. Why is that? Because you wanted to sit in cosy cafes <laughs> when it's raining outside and write the next Harry Potter. <laughs> well, hang on, not Harry Potter. I know. Well, before we knew all that stuff about her. Yeah, maybe. You know what? Maybe you're right, and maybe. <laughs> maybe it's not gone quite as planned because I've been here a year (laughs) ask me how many cafes I've been to (laughs) well you couldn't help that really but so anyway yeah so this is basically our chance to just chat and Mm -hmm. I thought today this has been coming up a lot recently Mm. and I wanted to get your thoughts on it everyone keeps talking about manifesting (laughs) and (sighs) what the hell do you think about it so I have the same sort of man like relationship with manifesting that I do with like God. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I personally, not a believer in either, not a believer, no. but it's one of those things where I don't, or I don't want a bad mouth of it because if when I die, I somehow end up at the pearly gates and Peter with his cross keys is going, hang on a second. And there were plenty of times down there where you denounced religion and now you now you want in. I, and what I won't have a leg to stand on. So I just don't have an opinion. Well, that's not true because I do, because secretly manifesting is a load of bollocks. Right. So <laughs> I, t- I tend to agree, but I think really, if you live your life in a way where you allow things in, you allow people in, you allow opportunities mm. to happen, you say yes to things, you put yourself in positions where you're going to have more chance of doing something worthwhile, yeah. then it will happen. But that's not manifesting. I don't, no. I think people see it as, as an energy thing, like you're putting energies into the world. And I haven't looked up whether that's scientifically accurate. I'm guessing it's well, not. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's, that is what manifesting actually is. And I think that that's fine. There doesn't have to be a sort of supernatural explanation for it. It's just, it's, it's just more logical than that. And mm. I do think that putting yourselves in those situations and saying yes to opportunities is how you're going to get forward in life. But it doesn't yeah. mean that I can manifest the next Sally Rooney book. Oh yeah, manifest winning 12 million pounds on the lottery yeah so it irritates me when celebrities usually american celebrities but they say yeah. oh, i manifested this I, I i wrote down that i was going to do this give yourself more credit like think of all the stuff that you've had to do to get there and also <laughs> think of all the people who wrote it down and never got there like I, exactly it's, it's my I have, this, I have the same feeling and this is controversial i have the same feelings towards everything happens for a reason yeah yeah but I th- and i think that's that this is an even more unpopular opinion because i feel like I hear it all the time and I I don't think it's a bad thing I don't judge people for thinking it but I always in my head go no it doesn't no it doesn't it just happens it just happens or people say well if you hadn't done that you never would have met the love of your life I'm like well how do you know I might have met someone better like oh my god I think about that all the time (laughs) think of all All of the the relationships that I could have had but didn't 
you know, or yeah. the job mm-hmm. that I might have. But anyway, I, I know people do it for comfort. But again, I think it's just a really passive way of looking at life. It's like that if by that logic, yeah. you may as well just give up because everything just happens. It's predetermined. And that's that's not fun. It's exactly. Not fun. Exactly. And also it's like a I think, yeah, I think for most people it's just a placebo, isn't it? Like you manifest something and then if it doesn't happen, it wasn't meant to be. And if it does happen, it's because you wrote it down five times every day for twelve years. Yeah, rather than, than my number of the day. <laughs> rather than just the fact that you've put in loads and loads of hard work. Yeah, you just work. Yeah, you've just worked for it. Like if I I mean, to be honest with you, Paul, uh, for the last year I've sat and done nothing. Mm. If I had spent the last year sitting and doing nothing, but then also chanting about <laughs> being a really successful author, then if one day I get to that point, would I think it was that year I spent sitting in Edinburgh by myself chanting about being an author? Uh, no, because I'd be there to tell you that it's not. <laughs> and also it's not attention seeking enough. No. There's not totally. enough of a sob story. Nah, nah. Um, yeah, no, I feel exactly the same. I do think we're very much on the same page with stuff like that. But Michael, <laughs> you're... Quite negative. Uh, are we negative or are we realists? That's what my mum says, but it's just a euphemism for negative, isn't it? Yeah, it's true, yeah. Um, yeah, mega neg. Is your wonderful husband, Michael, mm, a manifester? Absolutely not. Is he not? Although, he hang on. Read, he read that book. Didn't hang he? on, is that... Well, Unfortunately for him, I've sort of over the seven years we've been together forced him to just believe what I think. It's forced him into my beliefs. That's how relationships work, Paul. I've done it well. Yeah, but it's great because people think I'm the nice one. But actually, really, I've just molded Michael. Even things like you are driving that ship like Stalin. Yeah, like the like Stalin. Yeah, exactly. It's who I aspire to be. Even down to like the interior design of the house like mm. if, if we'd have got together if we'd have if we'd have bought a house when Michael oh my god when you first got together it was all clean cut glass oh god he I was, remember he was chrome he was white <laughs> he was Mrs Hinch like and yeah. then over the You'd years have I just had so much crushed velvet just, in your flat yeah with just a, a cushion arrived today mm. it's beautiful it's <laughs> got it's really colorful it's yellow got frills on the side there's a, a, a Japanese tea what are they called like a Japanese garden thing yeah. design on it I'm not oh. doing it justice I'll send you a pic it's gorgeous Michael if, if I'd have suggested that seven years ago you would have laughed in my face um so anyway absolutely right because he's taking credit for your flat yeah he's, which I don't oh, mind yeah no of course because you I have get the to flat. continue the, yeah, yeah yeah you get the flat and you have to continue the charade you can't be like actually that was my choice yeah because next thing you know the coffee table will be made out of glass exactly um yeah but even though I emphatically said he doesn't do things like that actually when we first got together so when he went through a breakup before me he said that every day he would say to himself I'm gonna meet I'm gonna meet someone even better I'm gonna meet someone even better and would you look he at met me <laughs> so he manifested me oh my god but he also you are the product really of the manifestation good. Yeah, he's really good at ch- changing the way that he thinks. So if he doesn't get a job, mm. for example, he can just be like, right, that's fine, on to the next. Whereas I will wallow, I will consider sending a really strong email to I the company. I was just going to say, we would write an email and just yeah. keep it in our drafts. Yeah, and then send one saying, okay, no problem. Thanks for time anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, Good maybe. luck with the recruitment process. 
yeah hope you find who you need um but so it, it's not this he's not he's not like that really but i think he's yeah maybe he's doing what i think manifesting is which is just making good decisions what happens when you just make bad decisions and don't manifest poor um you end up living in a flat by yourself in edinburgh yeah yeah do you remember when the book the secret came out yeah so i think this is where it came from isn't it yeah More because that, yeah because i never knew what it was about i thought it was like a bit of a pirate sexy pirate like thriller because of the cover yeah yeah it does it so look like I, pirates of the caribbean it does so i was buzzing to read it mm. um and then someone had so like an influencer that i follow on instagram had put it on her story being like this book has changed my life blah 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 and i was thinking hang on are you well into pirate thrillers so then i googled it <laughs> it's not about pirates it's, it's not, not a thriller um but i'm sure michael read that book and yeah. was like well this is what you need to do sarah this is how your life's gonna change god i've really changed him am i abusive I'm i f- think it was a fine line isn't there because what you've done is you've bettered him mm-hmm. i mean yeah in my opinion but maybe i'm it's like quite insidious the way that i've done it well what's insidious about it is that just no one would ever suspect it yeah until and you can't help that it. i know have i made any compromises oh i need to think about this i need some yeah, therapy well, about it is- or maybe I'll just not think about it because it's all working out for me perfectly fine. I was going to say, sweep it under your beautiful Persian rug in your living room. Yeah, well, the beautiful French connection. Sorry, Ra- Ralph uh, Lauren. Ralph Lauren and then French connection. Um, I didn't know French connection did like really quite Home nice. Homeware homey stuff I, I didn't I've never really looked but gorgeous rug that I got my own way on exactly Paul I worked in French Connection and they didn't do homeware then but what they did do was the same range of dresses just with a different the panel would just be in a slightly different place each year and <sighs> I worked in the Preston store and I only worked four hours a week because I was on five pounds an hour well 4.98 an hour so I'd get 20 quid and that would fund my night out for the next week yeah and um, we get in New stock, and then I'd come in on a Sunday to do my four-hour shift. I'd get shown the stock on the shop floor, and then uh-huh. I'd have to try and sell it. And I'd been shown these new dresses, and the pink panel was slightly to the left this time instead of down the front like it had been the previous season. And they were 120 quid each, and we had six or maybe eight in stock, whatever. They were all on the shop floor. Mm-hmm. And then my shift went by, a blur of four hours, and I went home. And then the next Sunday, I went in for my next four-hour shift, and my manager said, can you just come downstairs? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <gasps> went downstairs and she showed me some cctv footage of a woman running in past me <laughs> at the front door scooping up all eight dresses <laughs> with the hanger still like attached on the hanger scooping them up and then running straight past me back you out were the door. Just looking out the window. i was just looking out the front door she would she would have run past my line of vision twice my god <laughs> she's like what she was like, what were you thinking? My manager, what were you thinking? I was like, well, I clearly fucking wasn't. <laughs> Did he get punished? No, because I was 16. Oh, okay. But what can you do? It's their fault for hiring What were you going to do? Rugby tackle her? Exactly. It's like, well, do you know what? Do you know what? Fucking fair play. Fair play to her. She's, she's made a ballsy move and it's paid off. I'm just imagining that it's swanning around Preston with the security tags. The tags yeah, still, still on. Still um, on. I worked at Top Man four hours a week. And just speaking of attention seeking, I wore that lanyard way oh. more than four hours a week. <laughs> I bet you did. I, I think I wore did. that lanyard on days that I wasn't working because <laughs> I just thought, oh my God, this is the, could I possibly have a cooler job? People that worked in Topshop and Top Man were the elite of society. Yeah, they oh absolutely God, was... were. Finally. Is your tea getting quite potent? It's gone. Is it? I'm okay. really impressed with that. I'm really impressed. I'm definitely going to spike my tea more often. So all that's left to say is what's the book for next week Sarah next week we are going to be reading Clara and the Sun 
uh, by Kazuo Ishiguro, who is a Nobel Prize winner. Jesus. Sally Rooney could never. I mean, she, she probably will. Could, she probably will. Author of Remains of the Day and Never Let Me Go, and just all round general sweetheart, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and the book we're going to be reading is his latest release, Clara and the Sun, which came out in March of this year. And the drink. The drink that I want you to make, and there's a very obvious clue as to why I've gone for this drink in the title, but also there's, there's, it's a bit more nuanced. Tequila Sunrise. Oh, I was just thinking, I was like, it must be a tequila sunrise. What's tequila and orange? Tequila, orange and grenadine. But obviously we don't Ooh. live in Spain. We live in Scotland and England, respectively. So it's I've got grenadine. Be... Shut up. Uh-huh. Do you? I think it's a, it's like a morning syrup. Morning. <gasps> I think. I bought like, like a load of cocktail syrup so it's just a little stocking filler on his birthday you know a stocking filler on his birth is he jesus christ <laughs> yes did i not mention that <laughs> i'm married to jesus christ and i've really changed his interior design yeah it's so. all about the mud hut and the yeah. egg across the door an egg-shaped <laughs> rock across the door he was all about the, the first born son's blood on the door or whatever i don't know all he wore was a loincloth yeah Ooh, maybe i'll Fit. introduce the lot yeah Oh God, this is getting blasphemous. Okay, so Tequila Sunrise, Clara tequila and the sunrise, Sun. Tequila Sunrise, Clara and the Sun. Very um, excited. I'm really excited about this one, Paul. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it because I need an opinion to copy off. Brilliant. Well, I'll try, I'll try my best. Thank you. Um, okay, well, Sarah, I'll see you next week, my baby. Love you so much. Love you too. Have Bye. A lovely week. Bye. Bye.